And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. Do you know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CP Red Eye. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across the USA and around the planet, we are Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. I mean, tons of stories this week. Uh, the United Auto Workers strike that we'll get to here in uh, a minute. Hunter Biden indicted three felonies uh, for gun crimes. Mm. Uh, the uh, inflation rate uh, went up. Uh, impeachment inquiry is going to start. Uh, the president yesterday was asked about all of these, and here was his response. Let me close with this. And there's a lot more I know we could talk about. I wish I had a chance to take all your questions, but I'm going to get in real trouble if I do that. There you go. What kind of tr- do you think they like confine him to his room? What I don't know. I mean, trouble? that'd be interesting. And who is who is going to get the president in trouble when you're the president of the United States? Who gets you in trouble? You're the most powerful person in the world. Illuminati. I think he just admitted it. It's either the Illuminati or the Pentaveret. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be in a lot of trouble. Who gets him in trouble? Are you saying you're not in charge, sir? Are you saying you're not the commander-in-chief? I mean, is it the guy that owns a hotel in John Wick? Right. Or whatever. Remember, they have the panel or whatever. They've got yeah. the panel that runs. Yeah. yeah. I've never, I haven't seen John Wick 4. Do they ever identify who the head of the entire pentaveret is? <laughs> it's it's, it's uh, Mike Myers. I don't know if they call it a pentaveret. We get that from So I Married an Axe Murderer. Yeah. From, from Mike Myers' yeah, character. Exactly. But, uh, no, I mean, it's, it's stupid every time he says it. And by the way, that's what you want an economy based on that coin that they have, not gold. Oh yeah. I only need apparently like three of those coins for my lifestyle. 
They could last me the rest <laughs> of my life. Now, the problem is, is I'll mistake them for quarters and use them in the vending machine. You know, the the poll came out that uh, uh, people are, you know, the it was publicized yesterday. And I said, you know, don't publicize that too hard, you know, conservative media. Uh, most Americans believe that uh, uh, Biden is worse off mentally than Trump. It's like, well, you know, everything is relative. You may not want to promote that. Yeah. yeah. Too loud. Well, just just. Do a, a survey, and who did that survey, by the way? <laughs> Just do the survey that says that he's not mentally fit. If you're the yeah. Republicans, that's the survey you want. Right. That the opposition, the leader, the head of their party, which is the president. That has to horrify his staff when he does that. When he says, oh, yeah. When well, he says well because they, for I'm two sure. reasons. For two reasons, because it looks like it makes him look incompetent. Well, it's just one more thing, in our opinion, that makes him incompetent. Um, but also, it makes you wonder if he's about to start taking questions or start to say, if, if he's going to say something else off script, which he often does. I mean, you're waiting for it. It's every every moment is one of these uh, brow-dripping, you know, sweat-filled, oh, my gosh, I hope he doesn't speak moments. If you're a staffer, oh, what was it that he said? About teaching yesterday? No, this. no, this is a few weeks ago. And Corrine Jean-Pierre was with him, and it was, and they were, they were out, they were on they site. Were, they were outside, yes. And she and, sort of rolled her eyes, and like, then she oh. and then she looked down like, yeah. oh, oh, she, didn't, no. like she didn't roll her eyes. She looked down. Yeah, it was like, she looked down as they were turning around, like she, oh, and she, she just yeah. looked straight toward the ground, like, oh no. Think about this with her per- horrible performances. When Corrine Jean Pierre is embarrassed by your answer, yeah. you know it's bad. It's it's a bad day, <laughs> and. I I have to believe that on the inside they're just they're all just going, oh, just just get it over with, just get it over with, just get it over with, because he's a liability to himself. He's grossly incompetent, and whatever is going on with his mind is is just one more reason. On a in a whole list of reasons as to why he shouldn't be president, and his own party knows it. Ask David Ignatius at the Washington Post, and and still you have defenders. Oh well, you know his economy. You know what they the what they're not talking about. It's all the great things he's done for the economy. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed, bargain hunting is back. I mean, bargain hunting's always been around. We always love a great deal. But man, everywhere you look, people are bargain hunting. You know, there's so many great ways to find 
great deals. Hey, I have a great find in your bargain hunting journey. Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price that's a real bargain when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at motel6.com. That is a bargain. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Oh man, who's who did I quote yesterday that was totally delusional on that? Oh, it was David Ignatius. Yeah. Oh, in the same article. Yeah, yeah in the same article where, where he was yeah. saying that the great thing no, about that, him that was. is how he's governed from the the center out. Yeah. He has started from the center and then gone out to America yeah. to promote the center. And of course, we went back to and and I hate this because it sounds like we're obsessed with plot. Yeah. yeah. And we're yeah. not, but we're like the world is, the Democrats are so delusional right now, you have to ask the question, are they on something? Yeah, no, it, it just... Because it defies it, all it, common sense. There's it's, no critical... It's way too far out there. And and really, it's just Ignatius and others that don't want to come out and say it the way we say it. That he's grossly incompetent. He is a liar, that knows no boundaries when it comes to lies, makes everything about himself, and is quite possibly compromised because he allowed his son to peddle influence. And you look at that kind of corruption and lying and incompetence and whatever is going on with him mentally and... It adds up to very bad news. Ignatius is just trying to throw cover and be nice about it. I don't have to be nice. You know something? Every single day that he's out there, because every day, every day he tells another lie, and it's a, it's a dumb, stupid lie about something in his past. And yesterday it was about how he taught and the classes that he taught yeah. at Penn. He's never taught he's a never class. He's never taught a class. And he's talking about teaching a class, and it's just like, it's like what the well, it's, what it, it the is, hell is going on here? And, it's, and, just, it's the and most. he says it as I mean, just as blunt and blatant as if it were True. the truth. <laughs> I know, and as there, if it happened. Yeah, uh, it's one of his star students. Corn Pop was there, <laughs> and went on to be a great. Great scholar mm-hmm. himself as a result of Joe's leadership as a professor. <laughs> what I just said was funnier, but not more <laughs> any more ridiculous yeah, than I what know. the president himself said. 
All right, moving on to the uh, auto workers strike here. We've gone through the fact of, of what they want and the, you know, and and why are they bargaining so hard in a in a time and and as over the last couple of weeks when we've been talking about this, we went well, um they realize the situation that they're in that mm. EV sales can't make a profit for the right. automobile companies yeah. and the government mandates are forcing them to go more and more towards it. But why are they going for something that is going to be ridiculous and can't last. You can't get a forty percent raise. You can't get uh, you can't get all your benefits back. It can't happen. You can't go from an average of fifty five dollars an hour per worker, or excuse me, sixty five dollars an hour per worker to one hundred and fifty five. So why are they doing it? And one of the things that we had said over the last couple of days was, well, they probably trying to get what they can because they know. There's a lot of workers that are going to be laid off mm-hmm. that they're trying to do whatever they can or they're trying to get as much publicity as possible to hopefully get. And they, they're they not going to get it, but but you're wondering why they're doing it. Are they hoping that they can get more subsidies from the, the federal government? Because that's the key right now. They need more subsidies mm-hmm. in order to make it where they keep transitioning. They need to get more taxpayer dollars to do it. And the UAW is trying to get part of that taxpayer dollars mm-hmm. is what they're trying to get. because mm-hmm. they've, they've been clear on it. The leadership has been clear. Now, as we've stated, the leadership of the unions a long time ago betrayed their own unions. Oh, yeah. Because they should have been screaming bloody murder about the movement to climate change. And we talked about this a long time ago. We talked about this with the leadership and illegal immigration. Mm-hmm. Way back then, where mm-hmm. they did not come out against illegal immigration, yet uh, the 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 rank and file members of the UAW and all the unions were against illegal immigration, and we started talking about the fact after that about climate change and moving towards electric vehicles, and the fact that you better watch it because they're not fighting. We said, why in the world is the union leadership supporting the Democrats? who are being very open about killing their industries, right. whether it's coal, whether it's energy, whether it's cars, anything that has industrial output that's a union, their Democrats are attempting to destroy, and they're blunt about it, and the union leadership keeps supporting these people. And we said, you're paying your dues. Your dues are going to, commit to that party. To commit job suicide. Yep. Your... your- earnings are going to the demise of your industry and that's why we've gone after the union leaders when they sound indignant yeah remember when they were going after trump and a bunch of blowhards right that are working against their own their their own union's self-interest right and as i've said before i am absolutely anti-public unions there's no reason to have any type of public unions in government because government doesn't make a profit as i said earlier in the show we have the same beliefs as uh, uh, a man who's considered one of the great labor leaders in the United States, George Meany and FDR, mm-hmm. all against public unions. On private unions, I'm neutral. You've got to compete. You've got to compete in the uh, arena of capitalism. If you want to belong to a union, if you like your union job, I can't. I don't take that away from you. Yeah. And so, and as I mentioned before, I was a member of the United Steel Workers and International Association of machinist and aerospace workers, two unions. And and so, uh, you know, I understand. Uh, what uh, I don't understand is how 
the rank and file union members allow this to go on for decades now, their money, their hard-earned money going given to a party that is hell-bent on killing their jobs. And I'm telling you this, and this was in the late 70s when, when I was in the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers at a small uh, company, and as I've, I've talked about it before, and and uh, we were a small, you know, we were a small group. There's only like uh, probably 80 or 90 in that local because mm. it was just one small company. Mm. So the business manager came in from the outside. Nobody trusted. No, Not one union member there trusted the management of the union. Mm. Not one. Mm. And they were vocal about it. And they didn't trust the, when the contract, they said, okay, here's a contract we got with the company. And I wasn't part of the negotiating team, but they brought me in and they just, the, the guys said, they were all friends, and they said, could you look at this? And I told the story early in the show. I'm sorry if I'm repeating myself, but I think it's worth repeating, mm-hmm. especially because people are waking up right now, mm-hmm. like and, our production crew, mm-hmm. right? And they said, "What do you, you know, what do you, you know, uh, what do you think about it? You're the only one with a college degree." Mm-hmm. I read over the contract and I said, "You got to sign it." It was like a nine or ten percent immediate increase. Mm-hmm. I said, "But you should sign it, but I'll lose my job because I was lower on the end of seniority." I said. They're not going to give an across-the-board 9 to 10% raise without laying off people. Mm-hmm. And I was laid off. Mm-hmm. Within, I think, a month and a half, I was laid off. I was bumped down, then I was bumped again to another. I ended up in the tool crib. I was handing out the tool, the tools to people. Mm. It was the most boring job in the place. Take it off my machine and put on. That was boring. I just, that's where I read. That goes back to 1979 or 80. When I read my first political book, that was Gary Hart's book, The Democrat. Oh. Remember the scandal on the oh, boat yeah. and all that? Oh, yeah. It was a fir- I remember, and I read it there before I got laid off. Because there was nothing to do. You just, you'd hand out something every hour. Mm-hmm. It was the most boring thing. I was there for a month. I go, let me read this book here. And he was in the news. and yeah. I was more conservative, but I did not have, at that time, even... People are more politically sophisticated today. Yeah. You know, if you're involved in politics. Right. You are. Even back then, it wasn't as well defined. Right. So I didn't feel like, okay, I I wasn't thinking, I'm a conservative, I can't read his book. I was like, okay, what does this guy have to say? I remember thinking, okay, but you're just painting me a bunch of rosy rhetoric. Yeah, right, yeah. And and I realized, well, yeah, he was a liberal. That's what he did. Right. But, um, uh, yeah, so... um, there's all, and I knew it. I knew back then there's economic consequences. You don't sit there and go, oh, good, we're all going to have a 10% raise. Nobody's going to suffer. No, Gary, you're going to be out yep. of a job. And yep. I was out of a job. Right. And so, and then I went on and went to another plant and part of the United Steelworkers. Right. And uh, at, at that point. But, um, uh, but, so, but we have said, you know, what's going on here? And we'll get to the audio cut coming up from Lawrence Summers who was Obama's Treasury Secretary, which really mirrors a lot of what we have said, Mm. that this is the last gasp. They're trying to get whatever they can because they think it might be all over. That's what the union leadership is thinking. 866-90-RED-EYE. This morning's USDA Farm Report is brought to you by Howe's Products. Tested, trusted, guaranteed since 1920. Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack says in talking about efforts to bring high-speed Internet to everyone. No community should be left behind. Ah, but this time he's talking about another effort. To expand investment in urban and community forestry. 
Vilsack was in Cedar Rapids, Iowa Thursday to announce a billion-dollar investment for 385 projects to plant trees and increase access to green space for millions of Americans who don't have that access. Vilsack told reporters with programs like this. We believe that we can create more resilient communities in terms of the impacts of climate. Uh, we think we can mitigate uh, extreme heat uh, uh, incidents and events in many of the cities uh, where projects and awards will be made. Vilsack said tree canopies have been shown to reduce average temperatures by up to 19 degrees, saving energy costs for residents. He said most of the projects will be in underserved communities where residents have little or no access to green space. Gary Crawford reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture. This report brought to you by Senex Fuels and Lubes. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carney, and I'm Gary McNamara. The audio cut I have of Lauren Summers is a little bit longer than the time that we have here, so I'm going to wait mm. to play it uh, till the bottom of the hour. You know, you heard no news about this at all yesterday. None. There was no outrage from the left. Mm-hmm. California Governor Gavin Newsom signs a bill ending travel ban to red states. Remember all the stink when they put the travel ban in? Oh, yeah. Nothing. Right. How come there is an outrage from LGBTQ groups all over the country? Right. And you know what they say, the reason they're doing it? Mm. They repealed it, repealing it to help California send the message of acceptance, equality, and hope. Reach places where it is most needed. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's why. Yeah, that's it. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. that's it. It's yeah, not because that's... there was a massive financial impact. But you didn't hear yeah. nothing. No. And, and remember... Remember how they publicized it when they did it. Oh, my gosh, yes. Media didn't touch that story yesterday. Nope. Show. And he's Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. All right, I've got this uh, audio here. This is an interview on uh, Bloomberg with Harvard uh, professor, economist, director of the National Economic Council under President Barack Obama. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I, 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 I said Treasury Secretary under Obama. He was Treasury Secretary under uh, Clinton. I said, yeah, yeah. Sorry, Clinton, I, I Clinton. said earlier, I don't know why I said that, but, uh, but uh, he, he was the one that told the Biden administration, don't spend the $1.9 trillion. Mm. Inflation's coming. They didn't pay attention to them. And he wasn't the only Obama economist to say that to Biden. They didn't pay attention. And they were the ones that really were loud in predicting inflation. Yep. Was, was, uh, was coming uh, because of it. Well, he was asked about the uh, strike, the UAW strike. And, you know, what has uh, caused this and, um, you know, 
what may happen because of it. What do you make of that situation and what it really says about the state of the workforce and the state of technology, for that matter? Because, as you know, that's an important element in it. We're all we're all watching uh, the UAW automobile industry nexus is less dominant for the whole economy than it was a generation ago. But it's still a big deal. And I think it's going to set a template for a lot of things. Here's the thing, David. I fear that there's a bit of an endgame dynamic going on here. Between the fact that electric vehicles take about 40% fewer workers per automobile and the fact that a large part of the action in the automobile industry is moving to the southern part of our country, the UAW northern part of the industrial belt part of the country is going to shrink no matter what. And in that situation, the incentives for the union, like the incentives at one stage for the coal miners, like the incentives one stage for the steel workers, are to get as absolute much as uh, they can uh, while they can. And that, I think, is probably the underlying economic force behind some of the aggressiveness uh, that we're seeing. And my guess is that this is going to be a uh, difficult uh, dynamic. Mm. You know, we had said with the government mandating EVs that they can't that the companies can't make a profit on. You know, and we had talked about the, you know, the Lordstown plant after that was, you know, uh, you know, that the auto workers at, you know, that place even were making a lot less. And there were complaints about that. And there's complaints about auto workers that are making less money making the EVs. Mm -hmm. And we had said, well, what do you expect? If the government mandates that you make something that the consumer doesn't want and the consumer can't afford and you can't make a profit on, well, then labor's going to get hit. And labor's going to get hit big time. Yeah, that's just economics. There's no way. There's no way around it. And if you look at the growing uh, mandates that they want these automobile companies to produce the the EVs, how does it survive? Well, when you think about it in a very nice way, by saying the end game dynamic, he said, "I fear there's a bit of an end game." What he's saying is, this is might be the end of the unions. This may be the end of the UAW. No, I think any there's power a that the UAW has, yeah. and so they're trying to get whatever they can right now. No, because union industrial jobs, because of what, because of Democrats and climate change, are done. Are done. No, I, I think that's and you and I kind of hit on it. We're, we know that it's not going to look. The policy isn't going to change, right? And the unions asking for more. That dynamic isn't going to change. The union leadership taking the the dues of the workers and giving it to the Democratic Party, who is hell bent on uh, basically doing away with all of those jobs, that's not going to change. So, why wouldn't you ask for the hail mary and try and get? You know, I I don't know what the hope is, right? That you build. Eventually, you build it, you're in it long enough, and maybe you hope that on the way out the door, there's some kind of government intervention that at least preserves any pension that was there for you. I, I don't know. I, I can't tell you. 
Because to me, I'd be worried about being able to go to work every day uh, until I could work no longer. And I would want to preserve that industry to make sure that that job is going to be there and that, you know, I, I could go to work every day, not crossing my fingers that the government will come to my rescue on my way out the door. But if you know that the end is here, then, yeah, this could be the Hail Mary. Well, and and we've said the same thing when you look, for example, at the grid. You know, something bad is going to happen. Right. You can't continue to build solar and wind and shut down coal and natural gas. Right. You know, we saw, you know, the last warnings we had probably for a while were were last week. Mm -hmm. And that's because... Until and, it gets and, cold. Until it gets cold. Yeah, <laughs> until exactly it gets below right. thirty-five. Right. And but uh, you know, and I checked it last week. I was watching the. Yeah. It was last Wednesday. I had Watch Grid Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I sat with the TV on watching the grid because we were what in the the second last stage before rolling uh, blackout start. Right. And it was uh, it was uh, wind, solar, and everything was less than 7% of what was being produced. Yeah. And, right. and they can, and wind at, uh, great points. If, you know, it, if we're not at, if the wind is maximum and we're using low power can produce 40 to 60% of electricity. But once it goes down, it produces nothing. Right. And, and solar of course was producing nothing because the sun was going down. And so at that point, what do you do? And we had talked about, and the Wall Street Journal talked about, supposed to be on the ballot, I think, is it this November, whatever, uh, to vote to build natural gas plants that the taxpayer will have to subsidize Yeah, yeah. in order to cover for wind and solar that you have to subsidize. So the entire grid, you'll have to subsidize all the power. It's not necessary it's going to skyrocket the cost of electricity. And even though the state of Texas is attempting to, you know, to build those natural gas plants, a couple of weeks after they announced it, the administration came out and said, well, we're going to put more stringent restrictions and regulations on natural gas plants that will probably shut them down, too. Well, you cannot continue to live under the delusion that you can power the grid on solar and wind only. And you can't live under the delusion that you can have a profitable automobile industry in this company, in this country by producing electric vehicles that the consumer can't afford, the consumer doesn't want, and the company can't make a profit on. Right. Now, that isn't political rhetoric. That's economics and science. Yeah. That is indisputable. Very and, real dynamics of the entire equation here that anybody should be able to see. And when you see, for example, that they are trying to shut down oil and natural gas, which means if you can't make a profit, your odds of having a successful union are zero. Right. So the unions are gone. Yep. Jobs are gone and the Jobs unions are gone. are gone. Yep. And union leadership doesn't care. They're going to be fine. They'll just join the Democratic Party. Right. 
get a position there. But as we've said overall, and we've been very loud on this and got a lot of flack over the years, but we were right and we take no joy in being right because I don't like seeing Americans suffer. I don't like seeing the American workers suffer. I said sucker. Well, they've been yeah, suckers well, in a yeah, way yeah. because we had warned them and we said the the leadership of the UAW should have been screaming bloody murder instead of agreeing with the Democrats and supporting the Democrats on climate change. Now they're screaming about it. Probably too late. Yeah. Yeah, it likely is. Probably too late. And so now these acts of desperation that are going on that, as Summer says, I fear there's a bit of an endgame dynamic going on here. They're thinking it's over. We've blown it. Get as much as we can for the next couple of years because we, as a union, for all intents and purposes, are dead Because it's impossible to have a successful union working for a company that can't make money. Right. Because of government mandates. Well, and and the first thing they'll do is union leadership will say that, you know, as as the end is inevitable and imminent, the closer we get to it, union leadership will stick their hands out and say, lawmakers need to help us out. Right. We need subsidies. Right. You're giving them to the company. They're saying it now. You're giving these companies yeah, subsidies, and, and, and we're not benefiting out of yeah. it, which means they want some of the subsidies right. that and, the companies are getting. And they're going to. And if when that doesn't work, it will be well. You need to preserve our, uh, our all of our benefits. You need to preserve all of our pensions. Well, didn't they switch to a lot of the new workers' four hundred one ks like fifteen years ago? I know. I thought that was one of the things that they did, at least to, to new workers. I don't know yeah, if it was that, old workers yeah. or whatever. So. Uh, was that during the Was that during the whole finger thing? Okay. Yeah, well, right. the Wall Street Journal had that the other day. Okay. Yeah. And so, and and by the way, you for everybody in the UAW, you had the warning with the coal miners union mm-hmm. back in two thousand eight. So we're talking fifteen years ago. We saw it. Yeah, they don't they, have a problem getting rid of your industry. They right. don't. Yeah, the union leadership didn't give a damn about the coal miners union. Joe, they, Bi- they, Joe Biden will tell you to go learn to code. Yeah, they with, don't care. With, they don't care about your job. With the coal workers union, they in, don't. In, in the coal workers union in two thousand eight, Obama made it clear our goal is to bankrupt the the coal the, the 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 coal mines, and the union endorsed Obama, and he t- said, "I'm going to kill coal." The Democratic Party is not the party of of uh, the the worker anymore. They're not the party uh, of, uh, if you think about it, manufacturing anymore. No. They're not. And we've they, stated that for a long time. They cannot this. claim to be the party of manufacturing. They want to shut it all down. Yeah. You're killing the planet. You're part of the problem. As long as you're still making gas-powered vehicles, you're part of the problem if you're on that line. And it won't last if you're only making EVs because, number one, they'll need 40 they, – it, it, it requires, what do you say, 40% fewer workers. Right. And on top of that, they're not profitable, so it's only a matter of time, and it's a short period of time until the end until they turn the lights out. And the then the auto workers leadership 
the union leadership in this country did nothing except protect the status quo and <laughs> figuratively sleep with the people who wish to kill them. Yep. Well, union leadership, and, they got theirs. And by the way, and we warned this was coming for the longest time, and we were called anti-union. Oh, yeah. Right. Uh, we yeah, we're, up, the, we're the problem. Yeah, we were the problem. We're the ones killing the unions. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. We were the problem. Right. It's, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. They're having to learn the lesson the hard way. Well, I. But but it was obvious this could be the only this could be the only end game to this, as Summer said. And there's there's no turnaround. There is no turnaround here. Eight six six ninety Red Eye. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio toll free at eight six six ninety Red Eye. It's Red Eye Radio. <laughs> He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. All right, let's end the week. I just I just went to the Babylon Bee to see some of their headlines. All right. All right, you ready? All right. Joe comforts Hunter by talking about the time his son was indicted for gun crimes. <laughs> you know, my son was indicted for, I remember, it was nine years ago. No, actually, it was just yesterday. <laughs> White House, and it shows Kareem Jean-Pierre. White House says there's no direct evidence that Hunter Biden actually exists. <laughs> uh, my my personal favorite, uh, the New York Jets file restraining order against Colin Kaepernick. <laughs> yeah. And finally, this one here, and it shows all these journalists around a table on their iPads and laptops. Yeah. Journalists anxiously await for email from Biden administration with today's instructions. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my. I'm telling you, that's that's got to be a lot of fun to work at the Babylon Bee. Oh, I know. Wow. I know. Of course, you got to be you got to be a genius because those guys are just genius. Yeah, it is. Funny they stuff. really are. It really is. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search BLEAV on YouTube or wherever you listen. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market. Rookie Real Estate or Money Podcast.
The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets Podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.